you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Well, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Sabin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. I'm a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years. And the older I get, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use that mind for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires. Because one day, the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring my guest on right now. How are you, Patrick? (laughs) Barbara, I'm great. And I'm thrilled to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Let me tell my listeners a little bit about you. Patrick, 50 years old. He's a husband and father of two. He spent 15 years as a sports gambler from 2001 to 2015, and it began innocently enough, but then it progressed to the point where he was committing crimes to feed his addiction. Gambling addiction is hard to recognize, and he was able to keep it hidden for many, many years, lying to his wife and family on a daily basis. And then it all came crashing down in early 2015. He ended up in jail and his family was left completely devastated. And for the past seven years, he has been focused on his recovery, rebuilding his marriage. And now he speaks regularly with college students and addicts about this awful disease. And Patrick just finished writing a book and continues to push for more education and awareness when it comes to gambling. Oh, boy, that must have been a tough time for you. It was wow. rough. It was rough. You know, it, 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 gambling addiction is one of the more insidious addictions out there because it's, it's a, such a gradual process. And as you mentioned, it's, 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 it's what I call the hidden addiction because you don't recognize it like you would with say an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know, gambling addiction is there aren't any visible signs, physical signs. And so it's just, it's a gradual process. And for me, it got to the point, like you mentioned right there where I had had exhausted all financial avenues and resources I had borrowed money from everybody, every family friend and family member I could find. And I resorted to crime 
to feed my addiction because my addiction had become all consuming with me. And from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed each and every day, it's all I could think about was gambling and how to win more money. And, and it actually got to the point where in my clouded brain, it had become my solution to my problems. You know, I had got, gotten so deep into debt that in my mind, the only way I was going to get out of that was to, to keep gambling and win more money. How did this, like, I, I'm sure you weren't always a gambler. How, how did it start? Right. And so it starts like anything, you know, it's innocent enough, you know, for me, I started gambling, you know, like, like you mentioned right around 2000, 2001 with friends. And it was, it was, you know, maybe 50 bucks or a hundred bucks on a, on a football game or a basketball game. And I didn't see the dangers. I didn't, I didn't know what could happen if I felt, I didn't even know gambling addiction was a thing really, to be honest with you. And so you know, we hear so much about drug addiction and alcoholism, which we should. And our parents raise us to be aware of the dangers when it comes to drugs and alcohol, but we don't talk about gambling addiction. And so for me, it started, like I say, innocently enough. And then, you know, there was no, there was no shutoff valve for me. You know what I mean? When it comes to gambling, like my friends could gamble a little bit and stop and they would, they would have a, you know, maybe a hundred bucks that they would gamble with. And that was it. Well, for me, if I lost a hundred bucks and that's all I had, I would, I would go have to, I would have to find more money. And so hundred bucks, then it progresses to a thousand dollars a game. And then eventually over the course of time, it just, it builds, you know what I mean? And so it's just, it's a gradual process. And for the addict, we don't always recognize what's happening to us while we're in that, um, in our addiction. Now, were you working while doing this or? Sure. And so I, I worked, you know, I worked, you know, during my college years. And, and after that, I was working um, for actually had a few different jobs, but this started uh, when my gambling really started to progress. Um, I actually was working for myself as a contractor. And so, which was not good because I was accepting large sums of money from customers, you know, to do projects. I was a general contractor. And so, you know, I would do $50,000, $100,000 jobs. And, you know, <laughs> to the gambling addict, when, when somebody hands a gambling addict a $25,000 deposit check, that's a challenge, <laughs> you know? And, and as I mentioned, it just, as I started to exhaust all of my other avenues and resources to get money, I started in my own, in my own head, justifying taking money that was given to me by a client to do a job and using that for gambling purposes. Because in my mind, the addict's mind, we can rationalize any sort of decision, you know, and choice we make, well, I'm just going to borrow this money, but I'll just win more. And then I'll be able to do the job and then also pay some other people off. And that's, that's the, that's the brain where that's the sickness of addiction. You know, the, the brain is a powerful instrument. And so that's, you know, that's kind of how it went, you know, early on, you know, towards kind of the, the middle to late two thousand early two thousands, you know, is when I was working for myself. Wow. So you took the money from, you know, uh, these clients, were you able to actually do what they needed or, that uh, to, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, but you know what, what happened is, and my intentions were always the best. I did not have, I did not take, um, 
money from a customer with the idea that I was just going to hit the road and gamble with it and never come back. I would actually, for example, take a $30,000 deposit check and I would take maybe 15 or $20,000 of that and put that towards my gambling addiction. And then I would take the other 10,000 and actually start the project, you know, so I would, I would make an effort. And then inevitably every single time, what would happen is that I would get a week or two into this project and I'd be out of money. And then the customer or the client is looking at me like, what's going on? You know? And then I, then it, I had all of these stall stall tactics and, and, and diversions and, excuses and things like that. And, and I, I could usually make that last for two to three weeks before finally the customer would recognize, Hey, it's something's not right here. And then they would get the, you know, uh, get the state involved and, and law enforcement involved. And, and, and that's really how that process went. Wow. So let me ask you, how, how was it and you said you, you you gambled for quite many years. How and how long how long were you married? And and did your wife know that you were doing this, or she had no clue? You know, right. And that's a great that's a great question because again, and this is it's it's so convoluted and so it just to to, to the outsider. Oftentimes, I, I tell this story, and it just just doesn't make sense to them, but. What happens is, again, gambling addiction is, is it's easy to hide. Like if I were a drug addict, my, my wife would probably be able to look at me and recognize it and say, hey, we need to get you some help. She didn't see anything on me physically. Obviously, she knew that there were problems financially. And we got married in 2006. And so as we started to, you know, right around maybe say 2010, 2011 is when things really got bad. And. I was in charge of all the bills. And, and so I would, I would, I would, instead of paying the bills, I was gambling with that money and my wife would get phone calls or I would get phone calls or we'd get something in the mail and she would ask me about it. And I would, I would just, um, I would spin the truth. Basically I would lie to my wife each and every day. I would, I would tell her, I would make up some excuse. Well, I'll take care of it. I'm not sure why this is going on, but I'll find out and I'll take care of it. And a lot of times the tendency is if you're the spouse of the addict, you, you don't necessarily, you don't want to believe <laughs> what, you, you know, you don't want to believe what is, what is staring you in the face. Basically it's hard, you know, the tendency is to, to not believe what you don't want to. And so from the outside, from the periphery, friends and family members were, were, were saying things to my wife that they recognized that things were not right. Something was wrong, but she couldn't pinpoint it because again, I had a story and I had an excuse for everything. You know, I hadn't paid the mortgage for eight months, you know, and then we were served with, um, you know, foreclosure papers. And that's about the point where things, you know, really started to go sideways, but she still did. She couldn't pinpoint what the root of the problem was. Did you finally tell her? Or, or how did she find out? So what happened was in 2000, late, um, early 2015, I had sent an email to a family member asking for a $30,000 loan, I think it was, you know. And also in that email, I mentioned that I had some gambling debts to pay off. And I think for me, I think that was my cry for help maybe because I didn't have the courage to come right out with it to my wife or anybody else, maybe in a, in a, in a weird sort of way, that was my cry for help, hoping that my family member would, would, 
take the initiative to, to get involved. And so anyway, that's sort of what happened. And, and, and my wife found out and her parents found out and literally within two days, um, they had set up an intervention, not knowing the full extent at all of what had been going on for the last 15 well, since we were married, it would have been 10 years, but they had no idea of the extent of the damage yet, but they knew that I had a gambling problem and all of these things that were going on, it sort of kind of lined up and made sense to them. And so they, that's kind of how that, that happened. So how much money do you think you lost? Well, gambled away, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, over a million dollars in debt oh, at the time nice. at, by 2015. And I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't know. I didn't know I was that far into debt. Um, it took me a while to kind of sort through the carnage and figure out how much I owed it. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was over a million dollars. We lost our house. Um, you know, I owed money to uh, customers and like I said, clients and friends and family members and everybody I knew basically. Uh, so do you think that that um, was actually the rock bottom of it all? You know, were you able to then understand you had this this challenge and you needed to get out from under it? So I'll tell you, you know, that the, the intervention, they put this intervention together. And again, it's, it's, it's like you see on TV, you know, you walk into this room. I, I was led into this room and by my father-in-law um, thinking we were just going to have a, a conversation. And. I have their family members sitting there um, and then a, a strange person that I've never met before who's uh, was the interventionist. And so, you know, they just presented it to me as an ultimatum. Basically, here's what we have um, a place for you to go to get treatment. It was in Minnesota and you can choose this um, lifeline, so to speak. But if you don't, we're gone. All, every single one of us. And my wife even said as much too, you know, we, she was, she was a mess at that point, but, you know, she said, look, if you don't take this opportunity, I'm out of here, you know? And so I was, I was relieved to be honest with you because I had been living a lie for so long and that is no way to live, you know, walking into the house every night yeah, and sitting down at the dinner table with your, with my wife and son and, lying to them every day was, was, was soul crushing, but I kept doing it because I, you know, I was just, I was so sick, you know, but so anyway, to, to, to be honest, it was, it was a relief, you know, when I, when I finally was sent off to treatment. Um, but that wasn't quite my rock bottom. That would come a little bit later. Well, so then you went for treatment and, and how is that working out for you? Well, great. You know, basically what happened was, and again, I had no, I didn't know anything about gambling addiction. I knew I had a problem, but I had no idea how the brain works, how the dopamine um, in the brain affects your, your decision-making and why I had done all the things I had done. So when I went to treatment, it was only 30 days, but it was 30 days of sitting down with professionals who specialize in gambling addiction. And I was educated on it and I left there with some tools basically to go forward. I was not nearly ready to jump back into life and, and just resume life as if nothing happened. Um, and so what did happen 
and this is a, is was fortunate for me looking back on it three weeks after I got home from treatment I had to go in uh had to go before a judge for my sentencing for these crimes I had committed to feed my addiction this had been the legal process had been going on for a while oh, and okay. my sentencing date interesting interestingly enough was three weeks after I got back from treatment and so I went into the went in and stood before the judge and um had to listen to client after client after client stand up and say the the most horrible things to the judge about me and they had every right to do so because all they knew of me was that I took their money and didn't do the job so I don't blame them one bit and the judge looked at me and she said you're going to jail right now today and so then I had the time I spent four months in jail but that allowed me the time to actually process what I had learned in treatment you know and and figure out a way to move forward when I finally left jail and so that was my rock bottom in jail but that was also my turning point you know uh, I needed that time to to kind of sort through how I was going to to live my life going forward were you able to eventually pay back this money that that you uh, took from these people I was I have paid back um, just about all of it you know at this point and and that is something that some of it was was court ordered i was you know i i i was basically if i didn't i could be sent back to to jail and or prison some of it wasn't court ordered but i paid it back anyway because that's that's how i do things now i i i you know i've probably paid back 85 90 percent of 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 all the money i owed you know, and I still owe a little bit. And some of that is to family members and I still pay them back on a regular basis, you know, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's fulfilling to me to know that I, I've, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm at now, just by kind of putting my head down and doing the work and, and over time things kind of fall into place, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I've paid back most of it. Wow. So, um, Now that you've been through treatment, and I'm sure you're not going to do this again, that's for sure, you know, go out and do something crazy like that. Um, what, what do you think, you know, for, for people maybe listening that, that don't know that maybe there is an addiction, a gambling addiction with their loved ones or, or family member um, or friend, what would be some of the signs that they can look for to suspect that maybe somebody um, has a challenge like that? Sure, that's a great question. You know, because there are no outward physical signs on a gambling addict, things to look for, obviously, um, it's all, it all, all comes down to money with a gambling addict. And so obviously the financials, if you have questions and things aren't adding up with, you know, if if you're just a friend or a, an acquaintance or a distant family member, maybe you're not seeing that, but obviously if you're a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend and, you, and you're, you're working together as a team, if there are things going on in your finances that aren't adding up, demand proof, demand answers. Um, if that's, you know, in addition to that, um, irrational behavior, erratic behavior, that's the one thing with gambling addicts is we are up and down. 
you know, um, we may not show the physical effects, you know, like, like I said, with a drug addict or alcoholic, but our behaviors are up and down. You know, when I, when I would win a big bet, if I won 10 or $15,000, I was on cloud nine and I was the greatest guy to be around. If I had just lost the mortgage payment, you know, um, and I'm sitting next to my wife and she doesn't know that we just lost the mortgage payment because I'm living a lie and a secret, my behaviors would change. I would get quiet um, and disengaged, you know, so it's things like that to look for erratic behavior, uh, you know, quick uh, mood swings, you know, um, things like that, that, that are, are telltale signs of a problem. And for me, that problem was, was a big time gambling addiction. So now how long have, uh, since your treatment, how long have you been clean of this? So it's been a little over seven years, you know, and one thing about, you know, when I got out of treatment, one thing that addicts deal with is, is, and we've all heard it, it's, there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of guilt and there's a stigma that surrounds addiction and especially so with gambling addiction, but when I got out of treatment, I spent probably the first year or two um, still living, living in that, that shame and guilt and afraid to kind of go out in public for fear of running into somebody and, geez, you know, what if I run into a person that I, that I harmed or lied to or took money from or, or something like that. But then I reached, I crossed that hurdle. And ever since then, I, I've, I've taken pride in my recovery. I don't, it's not something I'm ashamed of. It's not something I'm embarrassed about. I, obviously, I talk about it. And I talk about it because early on in my recovery, I, I was able to help some people that were at their bottom, you know, and for somebody that like me that took from, took from people for so many years and did the things that I did to feed my addiction, I spent many years taking from people. Now I have the opportunity to give back and help. And so for somebody like me, that's a big deal. And so that further solidified my belief in my recovery. And because of that, it's, it's, it's why I take pride in, in, in living a life of recovery. But having said that, you know, I, I'm not one to get overconfident or get it over my skis. I, I still say this to myself every day. I have a relapse in me. I just don't have another recovery in me. And so this is it. This is my recovery. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't get another one you know? And so, um, with the tools I have and the knowledge I have, if I ever get, you know, the urge to gamble or thoughts of, of, of that, I have ways to snap out of that and get myself back into a safe place, which is, you know, where I need to stay to, to, to keep living a clean, healthy life. Now, with all that's happening, does your wife take control now of all the finances or, or is she, she does? Yeah. She, she does. And that's another really good question because, you know, obviously early on, I wasn't even, she wouldn't even, it, it was probably close to a year before I was even back in the house with her. You know, I had to prove myself, you know, I was living with a, a recovered addict, uh, just getting myself grounded and I had to prove myself and build that trust. But yes, yeah, she, she, she did. She took over the finances. We're at a point now though, seven years later, where we have full transparency with, with everything. Um, with with all of our bills and, and, and work and, and she knows where I'm at and what I'm doing and who I'm with and we just have a really um, transparent 
way of living now that was not there, obviously, you know, during my gambling days, but she does handle most of that and I'm okay with it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't make me feel any less of a husband. You know, I, I, I go to work every day and, and, and provide for my family as does my wife. And uh, we just have a good, a really good setup now. Are you still a contractor? No. You, okay. <laughs> no, I am not uh-huh. a contractor anymore. I, uh, I was curious if you still are. <laughs> no, I, um, no, I don't. I'm not. I, uh, landscape designer now and I work for a really good company out here and love what I do you know love what I do and you know I get to be outside which is what I love and 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 I'm around plants and trees and and working with people and it's a lot of fun but no the days of working for myself I think are over (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes that 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 is a wake-up call you could say yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, and it just, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I was working for my, it just brings back such bad, dark mm-hmm. memories of that yeah. period of time where I was working for myself and, and every day I left the house and, you know, from the time I left the house until I, time I, the time I got home, all I was doing was trying to hustle money and, 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 and convince people to trust me to do the job so that I can get a check so that I can gamble. And it's just a real sick way of living. And so that just, it brings me back to the dark days and I, dark days. I wouldn't want to do that. Wow. And so she took you back. She, uh, she did. She did. And, you know, it wasn't, um, I mean, it, again, it wasn't immediate, you know, it took a long time. Once that, once that trust is broken, you know, and we still, I mean, we still work on it, you know, mm-hmm. seven years later, it's not like we're perfect now. I mean, we, we still, and I still have some ingrained behaviors in me that pop out from time to time from, from all those years of hiding and lying, you know, and it's not because I'm trying to hide or lie anything now. It's just, it's kind of almost a default mechanism that I, that comes out every once in a while, but we have trust now. There's, there's, like I said, full transparency. And she did. Mm-hmm. She took me back. And, and we have actually, we had one son at the time, you know, when this was going on back in 2015, we had a five-year-old son. And we actually have a second son now who wouldn't mm-hmm. even be on this earth if not for my recovery and my wife's belief in me, you know. And so, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a funny, sick, twisted sort of way I'm I'm happy that this all happened because it's it's yeah. you know I'm the person now that I believe I sh- always should have been but clearly wasn't and my wife has a husband and my kids have a father now that they deserve yeah and they can trust and know that you, I always say you know your word is who you are your word so. is who you are you know that's mm-hmm. interesting that you say that because you know mm-hmm. and and my father-in-law and I think this was he said this to me I think it was at the intervention we had for me in 2015. He said, look, for years, all I had was your word. And my word was no good anymore. You know, it meant nothing. The word, our words mean nothing um, as addicts after we've lied to our family and friends for so many years. And so, um, right, building that trust and rebuilding uh, our foundation is, you know, is, it's pretty rewarding for me. So now that everything is... So it's finally good for you. What are you doing now to help those that suffer maybe with this addiction? You know, are you helping other people or, um, 
doing uh, workshops or what, what exactly are you doing now? Sure. So I just, you know, I, you mentioned earlier, I just, I just finished my a book and that'll be out sometime, hopefully this fall. Oh, okay. I go, I travel around and I go to, you know, um, I'll, I'll visit treatment centers that specialize in gambling addiction, gambling addiction treatment, and I'll meet with patients and I will go to schools and, and, and talk with, with students, um, you know, especially, you know, I'm going to do more of this as moving forward, college students, and just educate them and raise awareness about something that a lot of people don't recognize. And we don't talk about in this country, you know, 6% of college students already have gambling addictions. And that's a staggering number because it's only going to get worse. And there's not enough education, not enough awareness about this addiction because it's always gambling. A lot of times is portrayed as something that's fun and, and, and huh. you know, what you don't see is the dark side of it. And so what I, what I do is I travel around, I try and raise awareness and share my story a little bit in hopes that it'll, it'll, it'll shed a little light on something that they otherwise wouldn't know about. Yeah, because they do think it's fun. Like they go to a casino and, you know, gamble. And then, you know, it's like anything else. After a while, you know, if you don't have that control to stop, I could see where it can lead to being completely out of control. Right. And that's that's what you don't see. You know, you see all these advertisements on on, on TV about sports gambling and, and, and everything else. And it's always portrayed as, as fun and harmless. Fun. Well, they don't show... They don't show the reality of it. you don't see the reality of it the, re the reality of it is like you just said it's the mom or the dad going to the casino with their two-year-old child in the car leaving the child in the car while they sit in the casino for for seven or eight hours gambling that's the reality and that's what happens to a lot of people that gamble they get sucked in and i recognize that um a lot of people can gamble responsibly and i'm not talking about or to those people but a lot of people just like drugs and alcohol can't. And so as long as we let our kids know and educate them when, at, when they're younger about the dangers of gambling, they will be better prepared going forward as they you know, get into college and, and start raising families and that sort of thing. Yeah, because it's truly a, it, it's a bad addiction. It's insidious. Like I said, yeah. it's, it's, it sneaks up on you. You don't recognize it while mm -hmm. it's happening. And a lot of times, by the time it, 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 it's um, exposed, like in my case, a lot of times it's too late because the gambling addict, you know, the suicide rate for gambling addicts is, is 15 times higher than any of those other addictions. One in five gambling addicts will attempt suicide. And it's because of all the financial damage that we financial. do, you know? Did, and did, so did, that's why it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's scary. Did you ever have, want to do that to yourself because of your situation? I did. Yeah, I did. I mean, I was to the point where I was starting, I was trying in my mind to try and figure out ways to, to kill myself. But I wanted to, if I was going to do it, do it in a way that, you know, looked like an accident so an that accident. my wife could collect on the life insurance. Right. And so it's, those were the thoughts that were starting to go through my, my head towards the very end. You know, um, fortunately I didn't, I didn't get to that point, but that's where this, that's where this ultimately leads. It's either you know, the three, the three endings for um, a gambling addict are prison, insanity, and death. And well, I reached jail and I actually um, <laughs> reached insanity too, um, but I didn't 
didn't get to death. And I'm thankful for that because that's where this goes. And so, you know, again, it's just about making people aware of that. Thank God you had a family that, that um, wanted to see you get out of this situation. Right. And they were, they were, they were amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were amazing, you know, and, and it was not easy on them. You know, it was extremely hard on them. You know, all of the financial damage I did to my wife and her parents and, and her sister, you know, they were, they were heavily involved with getting me off to treatment all the while, extremely angry and upset at me for what I had done. You know, and that didn't just go away overnight. You know, they, while I was in treatment, they spent hours, days and weeks and months sorting through the carnage, you know, um, you know, and this, this went on for the first 10 years of our marriage. So you can imagine the amount of damage I did in 10 years, you know? And so yeah, there was a lot of uh, anger there, but they, they still, you know, they, they helped me and they, they sent me on my way to, to get better. And that's where I'm at now. She need some help also, your wife? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She, she was, um, she had PTSD through all of this, you know, and yeah. she immediately got help. You know, uh, she's been seeing a therapist ever since, as have I, you know, that specializes with, with gambling addiction and that sort of thing. But yeah, she was, she uh, went through a lot and uh, she had to hire three different attorneys while I was in jail. One, a financial attorney, a divorce attorney, and a criminal defense attorney, because she had people coming after her that she knew nothing because of all the things I had done. And as a married couple, you know, you're a, you're a unit. And so she, she was concerned about, uh, you know, criminal implications for her, even though she didn't do anything wrong, but because I involved her, you know, mm -hmm. in all these other things. So yeah, she did. She went through a lot and she's come a long way. And, you know, she's been an amazing wife and supporter of me this, this whole time. And what your children, are they okay? You know, did, do they know anything about this or, or you've kept it from them, especially sure. the, so, the older one? Right. Yeah. You know, so my youngest one is only four now. So obviously he knows nothing, but right. uh, he will at some point, our oldest just turned 13 and we actually just sat him down uh, a couple months ago, we wanted to wait until he was old enough to kind of try and comprehend some of this, mm -hmm. you know, and I, that, that was a conversation, conversation that I had, um, long dreaded. I did not want to have that conversation with my son, but I, we had to, there was no, the worst thing we could do is to, to keep that from him and have him find out about this some other yeah. way mm -hmm. and put him in a really bad spot. And so, Sure. We sat him down and, and just leveled with him. Uh, you know, your dad went to jail and your dad was really sick with a bad addiction. And this is what happened. And we, we've, we've been open in our family about talking about addiction for years, ever since this, ever since this happened. And so what we tell our son is that there are really good people that make bad choices and bad decisions when they're sick with addiction, you know? And so that's how, that's how it went with us. And, and he understood 
to the best he could. Yeah. I mean, he cried, you know, it was a sad, it was sad mm-hmm. for him, but he's, he's good now. And we're open, you know, we're totally open about it. If I, and I, we always talk to him, my wife and I say, Hey, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. We're an open book in this family, you know? And so, yeah, it was, it was a difficult conversation, but a necessary one. And, and moving forward, it's, it's only going to help him, you know, down the road, knowing what, you know, what addiction is and what it did to his dad and, and the things, choices we make as addicts that, that affect everyone around us. Without a doubt. So now you said, you mentioned that you're writing a book. Just finished. So, yeah. That's so that'll be out hopefully this fall. We're open and, and if not sooner. I'm, um, do you have a title? Yeah, I do. It's uh, Shambles is the title. Oh, shambles. Shambles, because mm. that's what my life had become. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what my life had become. It had be, I, I had just, it was, my life was in shambles, you know, and, and, and everything around me was in shambles. And um, so that's what that is. And then I'll be doing, uh, coming up in October, I'll be, I'll be giving a TED talk. And so I'm looking forward to that, you know, um, well, where are you doing that? That's going to be in Spokane, Eastern oh, Washington. Oh, okay, Washington. Washington. Yeah. Good. That's what you need to do because this has to. People do not understand the consequences of some of, of some of the addictions. And, right. They don't. Know, they don't understand it because they've never been yeah. around it and mm-hmm. never ever seen it. You know, and that's that. That goes back to some of the stigma too. You know, a lot of there's a stigma because. A lot of people look at, especially gambling addiction, as, as, as just a choice, you know, mm-hmm. well, just stop doing it, you know. Um, well, if you've, if you've ever experienced addiction or you, you know anything about addiction, it's not, <laughs> you tell an addict stop. just to stop doing something, that's not, not necessarily how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of wor- work, you know, on, you, you know, going to a center and a treatment and and finally getting the head in the right direction. Absolutely. Because really it's, it's, it's the mind where that, ha- that needs to actually clear itself and heal. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. And for me, my mind was so cloudy and foggy for so many years and mm-hmm. to actually have clarity um, now is, is a great feeling. Wow. So, okay. So you're doing Ted talks. So what, what else are you looking to uh you know, get well, once your book is out, you know, that'll be, I'm sure, you know, an eye opener for a lot of people. So besides the TED Talks, are you going, you said you're going to colleges and trying to get people to understand? Yeah. And that's the plan going forward is just to focus, um, mm-hmm. focus on the younger people, you know, um, because that's where it all starts. You know, addiction starts in the teenage and early twenties, teenage years and early twenties is, is oftentimes when that when addiction starts. And so I want to get to the younger people, you know, and, and, and educate them, you know, about the dangers of gambling, because now there it's everywhere, you know, and it's, and it's so much more accessible, all these different apps we have on our phones and yes. ways that people can, can gamble now. And, you know, there are just so many different avenues and ways to do it now. And it's, it's like a lot of things in life, you know, things are, there are so many more so many dangers out there and pitfalls and things that I didn't necessarily have to deal with when I was a kid, but our kids do. And so it's, it's, that's what I'm focused on is, is just reaching the younger crowd. Yeah. It's not just the gambling. I mean, it's the phone addiction, social media. I mean, TikTok. It, it's, it's everywhere. 
Oh, it is. It's all over the place, you know, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's not going to stop. And so as long as we educate, as long as we raise awareness, which is what I'm about, you know, I'm not about preaching to kids. I'm not about preaching to people. You can't do this. You can't do this because of what happened to me. That's not how I live my life. But what I want to do is share my story and help people understand what can happen if we're not aware and if we're not careful. Without a doubt. Oh, well, I tell you, give you very courageous. Your wife's courageous. Uh, You've all of you've been through some battle, but you've made the choice to heal and, and to move forward. And for that, you know, I commend the whole family and, and everyone for seeing that, you know, for actually taking control, you know, I mean, they could have just thrown you, you know, out to pasture, you could say, you know, to the curb, but instead they, they put you in a treatment center and that just shows the caring, you know, on, on their side for you. They're amazing people. I have incredible uh, people around me. Uh, you know, the friends that stuck by us during that time and, and, and not mm-hmm. all of them did. Right. I mean, that's one thing we've all heard it said before, you find out who your true friends are mm-hmm. at your worst moment during times of adversity and truer words have never been spoken, you know, because I had many uh, friends that really weren't true friends. They, they, they bailed. And that was, that was, that was okay. You know, I mean, that's just part of the deal, but the people, the friends that stuck by me and our family, we're a big team, you know, oh, yeah. we communicate about all sorts of things that we have open conversations about all, all sorts of things now that through this process we've all learned and and it's going to help us all in our family and how we raise our kids and, and that sort of thing so i'm great very grateful for, for those people and and such a, a challenging difficult journey ended up being a beautiful journey it's a journey of healing it is it is healing mm-hmm. and it's and it's 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 going to help me be a better father in how i raise my sons you know just just the conversations I'm able to have with them now, not not even just about me, but just life in general, I wouldn't have been capable of that um, if not for this experience that I went through. And so, like I said, I you know I'm grateful for for all those all those bad days because it's 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 helped shape me into the person I am today, and it's it's yeah, a today. lot of fun. Yeah, wow, it's a beautiful thing. So, I commend you. You know, you thank you. You you healed, and and. You, the journey was challenging, but you got through it. So, and that's a lot of that, help, you know, yeah, that's all the, the strength and determination and, 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 and your family truly loving you, which that in itself is, you know, what else can you ask for was, was for that love and understanding. Right. I had no right. I had no right um, to ask anybody for anything, but they, they, they extended that to me. You know, mm-hmm. they never left me. They, they said from day one, look, we're, we're, we're upset. We're angry, but we are here for you. We will, we will, we will be here for you as long as you hold up your end of the deal here. And, you know, so far, thankfully I have, and, and we're, yeah. a, we're a, we're a big team. <laughs> well, thank God for that. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. So where, you know, where can my listeners get a hold of you if they want to know more about this and, and eventually, you know, your book and, and anything else that you're doing? Right now, the best way is Twitter. Um, it's at Patrick Chester nine, the number nine is my, is my Twitter. And then my email or my website is Patrick, patrickchester.com. Between those two, I'll have information on my book and, and where I'll be speaking next and, and all of those sorts of things. And so 
And also too, if, if people have questions about this or concerns about a family member or a friend that they think may be involved with gambling, they can reach out to me and I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. Like I said, I'm happy to talk to anybody and, and give them any sort of information I can to help them. Well, I thank you so much for taking this time out to be on, on my show. And I know it's, it was a challenging um, subject to talk about, especially because it's a personal you know, challenge to you, but thank you for being so courageous and, and, you know, helping others see that, you know, they, if they want to get help, they can. Well, absolutely. There's, there's always, you know, uh, I always, I always like to let people know that there are, there are, there are avenues to get help. It may seem dark if you're Mm -hmm. in the throes of addiction and it may seem like there's no, no way out, but the suicide prevention line is a big deal. You know, um, NAGAAA, all these different organizations and groups are out there for you. You know, so there is help. You just need to say something. If you feel like you're struggling with something, just say something to some, whether it's a stranger or a friend, say something because the longer it goes on, the more it progresses, the, the, the more the damage, you know, and oh, so. That's just how it goes. And I'm, like I said, I'm grateful. And, and Barbara, I really appreciate you having me on your show. <laughs> well, I appreciate you just being courageous enough to talk about this and, you know, about your personal life and everything. And, and I, I wish you all the, you know, best of luck and health and happiness and peace and everything else, you know, um, and, and the same to your family. Uh, they did an amazing job, you know, to, of, of showing the love and the caring for you. So uh, that in itself is, is half the battle. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate right. that. Thank you so much. And, you know, thank you to my listeners for listening today. And again, a big thank you to Patrick Chester. And I hope what you uh, heard is what you needed to hear today. Uh, so visit me at motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this YouTube channel, The Spiritual Warrior Coach. We're on Spotify, Apple, Chrome, Amazon, International. We're everywhere. And uh, believe me, just listening to some of the, you know, uh, if, if anyone has a problem with gambling or addiction, please get a hold of, you know, Patrick Chester, because I'm sure he has a lot to offer to give you to help you through these challenging times. Um, and also, uh, for those of you maybe interested in learning energy healing, check out my book, uh, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing on Amazon. So uh, again, thank you so much for listening today and have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.